Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. This episode of Collective Wisdom is brought to you by Forever Projects, a non-profit set up by Mark and Anna Domkins after they had returned to Australia having spent three years teaching in Tanzania where they adopted three children. Seeing firsthand some of the work that was being done by the orphanage Forever Angels to prevent children being abandoned in the first place, Mark and Anna started by simply sharing some of the stories of hope and optimism with family and friends back at home and were inspired by the response to Dare to Dream Bigger. They took that little seed of a dream and today Forever Projects works alongside four local agencies in Tanzania helping women to get access to healthcare and education when they most need it and empowering them to create a sustainable future for themselves and their families to live the life of dignity and hope they deserve. Through the power of the collective, they've been able to send over a million dollars to Tanzania to help transform lives forever. You can find out more about how to donate or become a subscriber to this inspiring project that is transforming lives at foreverprojects.org. 100% of your donation goes directly to helping those who really need it, which is why this sponsorship takes the form of a gift exchange. Mark exchanged his valuable time to share the remarkable story of the journey he and Anna have been on, and you can hear all about that wisdom in episode 15. And in return, I'm here to spread the word about their incredible project. Thanks so much to Mark and Anna and the team at Forever Projects for the inspiring work they're doing. Hey there, my wise friends, and thank you so much for joining me today. I have a fabulous guest to share with you this week. Madeline Wright is currently in her third year at Durham University, where she's studying English. And we talked about the work that she's doing alongside the team with the Durham University Charity Fashion Show, which last year raised an incredible £170,000 in aid of their charitable partners, Fashion Revolution and Stop the Traffic. Maddie's been part of the team working alongside local artists in the Northeast. And I'm pleased to say that despite all the obvious setbacks with the lockdown and not being able to do things in person, they're actually going to be able to host a virtual art exhibition in July, which will kick off just after the fashion show itself. All the details about that are in the show notes. And I just wanted to say what an incredible effort on the part of the students involved. And as Madeline said herself, it's work that's kept her super busy and provided her a real focus, which I'm sure just being part of that team has helped her mental well-being during the extended period away from campus. We also talked about one of my favourite subjects, home and what, what it means and how it isn't always necessarily a place. And as for her wisdom, well, I'll leave you to listen, but suffice to say, it's pure gold. I also wanted to share a fun fact that my nephew Cameron told me the other day. Did you know that more people are killed by pub vending machines falling on top of them than sharks every year? So if you're planning to head to the pub this week, just keep an eye out for those vending machines and stay safe. 
And a little bird also told me that it's Maddie's 21st birthday next week. So I hope you'll join me in wishing her all the very best for it. With that, I'll hand you over to Maddie and her stories. Thanks for listening. I'm really thrilled that my guest today is Madeline Wright, a young student currently studying English at Durham University, where as well as studying, she also helps to host a podcast for Durham University's charity fashion show, DUFCFS, which is currently the UK's largest student-led charity fundraiser, which last year raised over £170,000 for Stop the Traffic, which is fighting to prevent human trafficking. I first met Madeline and her family when we were all living together in Singapore and my son Jake and Madeline were in the same year at Tanglin School. And when I told her mum about this podcast just before Christmas, I explained that I didn't just want it to be older generations passing down wisdom, but instead really digging into the idea that we can learn something from everyone. And Genevieve rightly said that Madeline has been wise since about the age of four. And sure enough, when I asked Madeline to come and join me as a guest, she came straight back with an energy and an enthusiasm that I just adore. So welcome, Madeline. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so thrilled to have you here. And I was just curious, really, tell me more a bit uh, a bit more about this charity fashion show and how you how you got involved. Well, thank you, first of all, so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Um, and congratulations on all of the episodes so far. It's been a pleasure to listen to them. Um, so the fa- charity fashion show, Durham University Charity Fashion Show, is, oh my gosh, it's just so exciting. It's an amazing project. And I heard about it before I came to Durham. I think it's just really common for students to get really excited and look through all the Instagrams, posts from different societies. But I found, found DCFS and was like, wow, this looks really, really cool. The first year we managed, it's actually really hard to get tables now because there are three nights that sell out in minutes. Now, mm-hmm. first year we managed to get a table and it was absolutely incredible. Um, and then during my second year, I decided that I wanted to get back in touch with my creative side and see if I could go for a role in the exec. So I went for arts events director. And yeah, got the role of arts events director for the exec. It's a 30 person exec from we have like social media and marketing and a whole fashion team because there's loads and loads of work going to create relationships with brands and find young designers who can create um, capital collections for us to to use in the show. So it's a huge project. It's the campaign usually runs from um sort of april through till january which is when the show usually happens but this year we've postponed the show till june so it is a really long campaign full of energy all along the way and really we just aim to use our platform first of all to raise loads of money for the charities but also as a way to give voice to the creatives around durham and the northeast from students to locals in the area and um, just really shine the light on the creative community. Sounds absolutely amazing. And firstly, congratulations for getting onto the the exec committee and getting that role. You know, I'm sure they're they're coveted roles because it's it's got such a sort of energy behind it, and also that you've had to manage it through this whole 
crisis this whole pandemic and and like everything you know these large events have had to be postponed so you were saying there's a plan hopefully to maybe host a virtual event or, or yes. a, a covid friendly event yes exactly so usually so as arts events director usually i'd be running um, a series of events in DCFS week, which are promoting the charity and getting people to really connect with the creative vision. So each year we have quite a specific sort of creative vision and this year is all about the power of technology. So that was really exciting in the first few months planning all sort of art exhibitions and really fun social events and we wanted it to just be like jam-packed with artists and performers and and drinks and fun and it was just so exciting to think about and speak a series and then we realized that we we're going to have to do as much virtually as possible so we ran a virtual series of webinars earlier in term one and excitingly in april we have a virtual arts exhibition coming along which i can't quite get my head around how it works but it's absolutely amazing just looking at the designs so far so a girl in Durham in second year actually called Georgia has worked with architects has been working with architects to create a virtual gallery which mm -hmm. is completely immersive and you'll feel like you're in a real gallery in the sense of like the gravity and the shadows and everything just really comes to life and their aim is to create a space that people can then rent so we because she's the Durham has kind of helped us get in there early so we're doing the first external event and renting that space to do our own arts exhibition which I'm so excited for I've spent the last sort of month or two along with the creative director scrolling through Instagram and through art exhibitions in the northeast trying to find as many local artists and recent art graduates as possible and just reaching out to them and saying like look this is what we're doing and we'd love to to involve you this is our theme like really looking for people that are exploring technology and society and how sort of human interactions are being are evolving and responses to to technology Gosh. so that's been really cool i've met lots of really interesting people through that that just sounds like an amazing role to be able to go and sort of yeah find artists and ask them to join you and i'm curious to know what's the power of technology the theme before before anybody knew anything about the pandemic well uh, the pandemic was just creeping in at the time. Mm. I think the theme would have been chosen in March last year. Gosh. So we knew about it, but we thought it was yeah. going to be swept away pretty quickly. So um, it's been really interesting how that's come to life and evolved and really changed meaning as we've as we progressed. Yeah, I mean, in, mm. of all the years to have this discussion around technology and how it's impacted us and creating virtual spaces to go and have art exhibitions, which yeah. could well be, you know, the way of the future and the way we're all having to adapt and and accept that we can connect in a in a much more meaningful way than we probably ever gave credence to before this yes. all happened. Exactly. It's been a really interesting opportunity to think about how we connect and how we can maintain connections and, and reconnect with certain aspects of our life. It's also quite funny that we're supposed to be sort of 
upholding the power of technology or critiquing it in certain ways, but most of all, that comes with an assumption that we're all good at technology. And then we do, you know, chats with different people and interview people and technology just fails on us. <laughs> well, yeah, that's just, yeah, that's just part of the course. So with that in mind, because you, uh, your mum was saying that you were involved in, in podcasting yourself, you've been actually doing some of the hosting and interviewing and things. Yes, we, so we had our first series last year before I got involved and then this year I took that on within my role um, and it's been so much fun. I mean, it's hard, so a lot of respect for how well you've pulled this all together. <laughs> but, um, I'll take that on the nose, no, no, it's, um, but, but I, no, I really, really just take my hat off to you because that must be quite intimidating. You know, you were saying you've interviewed the founders of the, the charity when it first yes. got Yeah, I did that for a, um, a written article last year, but that was my, that was probably my first experience interviewing. Yeah. And, um, and I found that quite terrifying. It was when, oh yeah, it was, we were on holiday when one of the people that I wanted to interview suddenly got back being like, in three and a half an hour, does that work? And I was literally by the beach. Oh, I was like, dad, I have to go and interview this woman right now. Like ran back, put some clothes on, like got my little notepad out. I was literally just like kind of on the floor with my phone on charge. And then, oh, so that experience has been really, really fun. And yeah the podcast this year so different exec members have interviewed different people we've tried to match it up so that so our videographer and our creative director interviewed a um interviewed the tv tv editor that we got involved and so i haven't been doing all the interviewing i'm just mm. sort of like managing it but that's that's what sounds lovely is that there is this capacity to just yeah try on different hats and and right you go and interview that person and actually make it you know write an article and then somebody else will do so that you get the opportunity to just explore all these different media exactly. and, and, and ways of um of of bringing things to light and and what I love about what you're describing is how there's so much sort of creativity and art in the in the essence so when you first hear oh it's a charity fashion show my mind went straight to a sort of runway with all just about clothes but you're now involving artists and just just bringing in students and their work you know in the moment yeah. and 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 i guess bringing that sort of what art can do at its best which is to really yeah raise 170,000 pounds for for a charity which is amazing Exactly. And so the charity that we're working with this year is Create Arts UK, and they themselves are a creative charity that, that use creative programs to bring in people that have been isolated or vulnerable in some way. People who without them would have no art, like no access to art in their life, yeah. whether, whether they're young carers or have suffered some form of illness or just like feeling lonely. And it has been so special through all the interactions with the charity that we've had to see how many people have been really impacted by like a weekly workshop where they all just play music together over Zoom okay. or a they ran a radio station with female prisoners. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine how empowering that is for, for someone to suddenly have a voice and a platform to just tell their story. Absolutely. I think storytelling is just the best thing that life has to give. And and 
I am loving finding out how Create has been using their platform to help others tell their story. So, yeah. yeah, and that's creative. you know that's really having a moment that really resonates with me because that was what was the kind of instigating force it's it's about i think we've all in this collective pause dug into our creativity and for me the capacity to to listen to stories to hear stories always forms a connection you know there's that mm. you just break down barriers you you start to see somebody else's perspective and yeah it's a hugely powerful way of also passing on wisdom you know just just through storytelling it's not this is not oh you have to do it like this it's just i'm i'm talking to you about my experience and these Definitely. are the things i've learned through storytelling mm. and we all we all engage with stories i think that's what's so powerful you know there's there's something much more compelling about sitting and listening to someone tell a story than perhaps giving a lecture you know it it really does connect people but what's incredible from your from from this is just how it's it's almost transcended itself you know it started as a as a charity fashion show within that mm. sort of um confines of that that constraint and now it's well we can just apply we can apply it generally and this whole theme of connection through technology and how we're, we're going to find new ways to to break down those barriers that you know leave people feeling isolated and, and alone yes they're just incredible yeah it's been a really cool process i remember what you were saying about how it's just you're so glad you've had this work to kind of carry you through when some of the academic stuff has sort of fallen away and I mean, I'm sure you're still very much on the hook for now that you're in your final year to get all that that work done but but this whole this whole sense of this is work really it's not it's not sort of academic work but what you're doing just keeps you yeah, safe it does it's it's funny that you described as work because it uh, sometimes like I'll wake up and think like oh I'll just do a bit of fashion show stuff and then suddenly it's the evening I've only done fashion show stuff or like just kind of found it really exciting scrolling through people's like artists instagrams and it's like oh my degree <laughs> <laughs> that thing so I mean so far it's been okay but the next few months could really be where it all falls apart but hopefully it will be fine and the fashion show has just been the best opportunity to escape in a really productive way mm. um, and just fills me with hope for the future I think all the interactions with people it's mostly the people that I've met I think and realizing that creativity has so many different forms and manifestations I was actually chatting to mum the other day about how when I was younger clothes were really stress I found clothes stressful I found like wow. knowing what to wear, it just almost, I don't know that I'd say a form of anxiety, but I, it did kind of worry me, like, what do I wear? Because I think that came from moving country when so I'd go back was, to the UK. Were you saying when you were younger, sort of in your, your early teens? When, when yes. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early so. teens. I'd go back to the UK for you know, Christmas and be like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to wear, what's cool, like, are Converse cool yet? I don't know. Yeah. And um you know and slowly that's gone away and I was sort of curious when I was applying for the fashion show it's like do you, I wonder whether I'll start taking myself really seriously and if I'll worry about clothes again I really hope that I don't 
And actually, it's like the complete opposite because it means I've just met so many incredible creative people who express themselves in so many different ways and ways that you might not expect. And that's been really liberating because it just has reminded me that that it's all down to self-expression. There's no mm. formula for how you should express yourself or how you should be. And that's been, yeah, just so liberating. Yeah. To be like, yeah. as long as you believe in what you're doing and what you're wearing and what you're listening to. And what right. makes you feel, yeah, sort of yeah. comfortable and exactly. what makes you feel good. Yeah, well, it's reflecting yourself on the outside, which is for me, what, what fashion's all about, but you're right, there can be this side to it that's a bit prescriptive and you're mm. you're sort of not in the club if you don't know what to wear. And, but I think that's something that's really especially difficult, yeah, as you're, as you're, when you're sort of in that very self-conscious sort of early yes. teens and getting it right is is really important. No, it's a, that's so true. So you mentioned storytelling a little bit earlier and as you know, we're here to tell some stories. Mm. So I was really just interested to know about the, the act of kindness, the simple act of kindness that you are going to tell me a story about. I love this. It's so nice to think back to kind moments, isn't it? Yeah. The first thing that came to mind, honestly, surprised me. I didn't even knew, I didn't even remember that I remembered it, but it came straight to me. And it was a moment in, I think it would have been year 10 when I was in, so I still am playing a lot of touch rugby at university, but I started playing touch rugby when we moved to Singapore. And in year 10, I was playing for the like older age group was playing with the sick formers and that was really exciting but year 10 was a really kind of weird time I think mm -hmm. everyone you know everyone develops at different stages and like friendships are evolving and stuff and I just remember like that touch team being a real sort of sense of family and belonging even though most of the girls were much older and we were playing in the SEC tournament. Do you remember the SEC sevens? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, so we played, it was, yeah, it was the SEC sevens at the Dang, and we were playing a touch rugby match at the half time. And then when we came off, we'd finished playing, like had the rest of the day to just chill and watch the matches. I remember feeling sort of like, oh gosh, what do I do now? Like, who do I go and hang out with? Who do I sit with? What do I do? And the captain came over and said like oh Maddie we're gonna go and get changed why do you come and I said oh I actually don't have anything she said oh I've got a spare t-shirt come and she gave me her spare top and just like took me under her wing took me to come and meet her friends and just hung out with me in the most non-condescending and inviting way and she I mean I barely thought anything of it I was just delighted yeah. at the time and I don't know whether she thought about it, but what she did in that moment was she used her comfortable position to to reach out to someone that was feeling less comfortable and was just so inclusive. And I think inclusivity is such a powerful tool. And yeah, yeah I've just looked back with so much respect on her. Like it, the easy thing would have been for her to just go and find her school friends that were all there but she just saw me kind of hovering so yeah. year 10 I was probably 15 and she was 18 she's like hey Maddie come along with us and I and think that's, yeah, I that was that's such yeah such a powerful story I think it's one that 
resonates that we can all identify with a moment where you just haven't felt part of the circle or you've walked into a room full of people mm. and you're there on your own or and for somebody to just have the capacity to see that and have the empathy to know oh okay i can see what's going on here i yeah i could quite happily go and just sit with my friends but knowing that and just to do it in a comfortable way as you said you know that absolutely that beautiful thing yeah, not to be condescending about it but just oh yeah natural is anything come and come and join us which and it's yeah it's so powerful and that you're so so right that that whole sense of the more i i think there are certain people who who do have a they, they really can feel other people's discomfort and and then mm. to just help put someone at their ease is is massively kind so mm. wonderful wonderful story brilliant and then moving on so you touched on it slightly this whole idea of you know living in in um singapore and and i guess the whole yeah you, you you're suddenly surrounded by lots of different people from all sorts of different countries and and it is that's how you find your your little tribe if you like through things like I know yes. my boys with the rugby team that was yeah. where they felt comfortable and so what would you say were the challenges that came up around living overseas and maybe not growing up in the you know it, around your your close family I think the challenges it has been challenging just redefining home and how we consider home as a concept. I think particularly coming to university, that was mm. um, that was when it, it really felt like a challenge because lots of the people that I, meet, I that I was meeting had lived in one place for a long time or just had like family within one country. My family were leaving Singapore at the time, moving to the US, so. Mm. So I kind of lost Singapore as a home in a sense. I didn't yet feel like the UK was home and I didn't know the place that was going to become home. And I sort of I felt like resistant to even call it home. And now I feel so comfortable here and, and I've completely kind of changed my outlook on what it means to have a sense of home. So that's been my sort of strategy. Yeah. And, and, um, so so you were in Singapore from what the age of seven or I was I turned nine just after we right, moved there. So from the age of nine and then you were there right through your A levels. Yes. Until so the first time you so so basically going to university was your first experience of kind of living in the UK since you'd been nine years old. It was sort of yes. gosh. Yeah, exactly. And what, so, were the, what were the cultural references that were sort of missing for you? What, what? Oh my gosh, yeah. It's so funny how there's little things. I thought I was so prepared to go back because I had kept in touch with my absolute soulmate, best friend, who has been my best friend since I was four. So I felt like, you know, I still have family in the UK, so I thought, I know the UK. I'm yeah, gonna, this yeah. is going to be fine. I've just also got really interesting stories from Singapore to help me through Freshers' Week. But then you don't expect someone at matriculation to say to you, what's your Tesco's meal deal? I was like, what is a Tesco's meal deal? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, cultural references really threw me off. And did you did you admit to not knowing it or did you pretend that you did know what it was? Oh, or? I do 
I don't know what I would have said. I think I probably just kind of laughed and hoped that they would just ask someone else. <laughs> um, but I do remember thinking, having to, having to think, you know, within a second, so many times, you know, this person just asked me what school I went to. Do I tell them my full life story or yeah. do I just say like oh I went to school overseas you know do I do I now say because as soon as you invite as soon as you open up the conversation then it's like oh like do you go back there and then I have to say oh well, actually we live this place now in this place and it's just a long conversation and I used to really shy away from that whereas now I can see it as something that's really exciting and I think particularly now that we're in final year and everyone's thinking about the future and thinking about where they want to be their next home mm. it's actually really exciting to be able to think of all the different places that I've that I've loved and yeah. it's much easier to be to to talk about that now and I think also people are more, more interested in it and it's not just I was so nervous going to university that I was just going to be like the girl from Singapore even though I know that there are so many people from Singapore at Durham and it's different universities across the UK yeah. so it's not like I'd be in, in any sort of strange position but it's funny how those things that seem scary at first actually become nothing much. Well it's um, funny but I think it almost puts you at a slight advantage now because you can start to consider wherever you end up so how would you how would you define now how has your idea of what what home is changed do you think? I'm actually doing my dissertation on something that relates to the concept of home. So I spend like a lot of time thinking about it, um, which I'm loving. There's so many, there's so many people that have come before us for actually centuries have had to think about what it means to be away from home and have to reconsider home. And I think being able to like, find a sense of home within that you can sort of project onto any environment is really powerful. And I think it takes, you know, if you can get to a position where you're comfortable with your own warmth and your like the sort of the thing within, then yeah. you can you can find a sense of home anywhere and you can project that outwards. Which is I think as well I've I've tried to think of it as the concept of like story collecting which is I loved when you said that you know your your whole concept is collecting nuggets of wisdom and nuggets of kindness and I think if we can take life as like collecting little stories and little anecdotes and I think okay every time I if I move around as long as I know that it's it's just collecting stories and experiences and people is home and I'm I'm so fascinated in this idea that for somebody because you know I from a self-serving point of view my three kids didn't have home you know they were they lived in yeah, Singapore around a lot of that, you? Singapore was home for the boys very yeah. definitely and so it was real it was a real wrench when we moved to Hong Kong so I'm really really interested in this whole concept of for kids who don't have a, a sense of oh yeah I grew up in this this place this one place that I definitely that was my childhood what how you build that sense of home yeah I think if you can see home it doesn't have to be one continuous but you can build homes and collect homes and collect places that your heart that your heart resides in and return to those and you know your relationship with places will always change 
but if you can find a sense of home within almost like chapters you know little chapters and yes. books that make up a, a whole story yeah that's yeah incredible. absolutely so what's what's your quote about home this quote says it's by hugo of saint victor who's a 12th century monk the tender soul has fixed his love on one spot in the world the strong man has extended his love to all places and i thought that was really that's so really magical the idea that it takes strength but you can extend your love to all places and it doesn't have to be confined to one sense of home yeah yeah I think it's really natural for us to have like to crave a sense of of home of comfort and you know I have in my head like you know in dreams sometimes I just find myself in my nana's living room Mm. And I think that's like my subconscious taking me to to a really pure sense of home. I don't think you have to deny that like natural yeah. desire for home, but I think there's a way to just let yourself exist. Yeah, I'm just blabbing on now. But no, it's... but you being you being the home, yeah. So so and that takes an incredible, like as as your monk has just said, it takes incredible strength of character to be able to say that. I am the home and I can move around rather than there having to be this one grounding place that I can feel, you know, I'm home now. Yeah, exactly. You can bring that, that sense of, of grounding with you. And just seeing life as more of an adventure is how I'm trying to look forward as a kind of looking into the future, leaving university and thinking like, okay, do I, just choose somewhere that's going to be my home or do I just go and be free and see where life takes me which is a kind of scary concept but trying to convince myself that I mean I'm sure you've faced that as well like going well, to different so places true. and what I, w- what I would say is as someone who's had a home in you know six or seven different countries um what what home means to me now is when I feel that sense of the people around me love me for who I am, probably love mm. me more than I love myself. So I've got that grounding of friends and that's when I, I feel, yeah. When you know, you know, when you've made a great home somewhere because you just can't bear to leave, but the more mm. you do it, the more you understand that actually you can make another home somewhere else. You really can. And it's funny, this yeah. is the first time, you know, we now live in a house that we bought, five years ago and this this kind of it almost felt felt a little bit claustrophobic or a little bit too too restrictive to have this one place I couldn't accept that when when I first moved back here after 21 years living overseas I couldn't breathe because it was like oh what this is it now and and yet I know that that's not actually true that that's what I've had to sort of resolve for myself is that yeah I still have the, the the choice and the freedom to say okay well yeah for now it's it's really nice to have a family home and we all we're all in, well if we're not under pandemic conditions and people do you know but but actually what's happened is now sim lives in in singapore he's he's yeah. gone back to asia so what what actually i probably knew would happen did but at the mm-hmm. time where it wasn't that evident that this wasn't the plan you know the, the, the plan was to just plonk ourselves down here oh <gasps> I felt really, really kind of, uh, yeah, 
constrained by that claustrophobic. Did you feel? Did you live um, where you are currently before you left to Asia? You went to Asia first. Of all? Yeah, we we'd lived in London, so I, I you know, I, okay. I the thing for me is I came from a, a tiny little village and lived there until I was 18 and then went to university. So I was the opposite to my children, which is to have, mm-hmm. and my parents still live in that village. So mm-hmm. I have this very strong sense of a, a physical place that's home. And I was really, I'm really intrigued by this whole idea of home because for my kids, that hasn't been the case. You know, they've lived mm-hmm. in different countries and they've traveled and, and the impact of that. But I think it, ultimately it just comes down to how you, how you reframe it. You have to if, if your narrative is that home has to be one physical place, then you will feel a little bit ungrounded and unsettled when, when you don't have that. But it really is about what you can bring with you to, yeah. to make a home. It's just, physical it's, spaces are so interesting. I think like we all kind of end up with different places that stand out to us. And we can't even articulate why. Do you ever have that when you go to somewhere and you just feel like a real sense of calm or emotion or wonder. Yeah. I have like, I remember it was like a square in Prague when we were interrailing. I just felt like this is such a magical place. And I'd like always go back to that moment. I can't even explain why. And I think that's also like makes me think of of home and spaces and how we connect with different places. Yeah. Yeah. We can connect in so many different ways. For me it's um we have great friends who live in Norfolk and whenever I'm there walking along sort of the pebble beaches mm. and I have no connection to it. I don't know why that is, but I just feel just peaceful and yeah. just, yeah. Cause the, the beaches are so deserted, even, even in the summer, you know, it's very wow. rare. <laughs> people. You can obviously go to busy beaches, but it's so easy to just find space and yeah. you know, such a beautiful place. And you do wonder, yeah. then you start to think, oh, maybe I've got ancestors who, you know, came from here or, yes there's the connection but who knows who knows so moving on to how important is music for you do you do you listen to a lot of music Maddie yeah music is so important to me I think that is yeah so when when I found out that I was going to have to pick a piece of music that is what has kept me up at night that's oh really Really? I'd be I'd be a disaster on Desert Island Discs but I'll have to overcome that I think music is just the best is everything. It can hold so much and so many memories. Yeah. What um what drew you to include it in your podcast? Well, I'm a big fan of uh Desert Desert Island Discs. So it's one of uh-huh. that was one of my because it's a storytelling podcast. I mean, I've listened to it. Yeah. It's now it's now a sort of because everything is now a sort of audio clip, you know, you can go and find mm-hmm. that that one one show. Way back when, I mean, I don't know if you know the history of it. It was started in the 1950s um, with a guy called the guy. It was a guy called Roy Roy Plumley who who came up with the concept. And if you listen to the archive editions, you can really hear. You know, people were very formal when they used to be on the. the they were sort of in their ah. in their radio mode, and but it, but the concept has always been the same. You know, eight discs, mm. and, and most people choose eight that sort of. That have a continuum so this is what I listened to when I was young and then this is when I was at okay. university and and then other people do just this takes me to a certain place a certain time yes. and those are the things I want to remember and I think it is a universal language I mean for me it's about and and this probably is because we've lived in different places certain tracks will take me 
to a certain place, a certain country, a certain moment, you know, just instantly. So that's probably why it's such a powerful thing for me. But, but that's not to say that everybody I speak to can't come up with that. Oh yeah, yeah. I can come up with a, a song that, you know, I love to hear and to name one is, is a real challenge. So what, is. what do you finally con- conclude? So I went with, if anyone that I have known in the last 10 years listens to this, they'll probably chuckle because it was always my song at like parties that everyone, you know, Maddie's dancing to Mumford and Sons again. Um, <laughs> but oh my gosh it's just such a beautiful song it's got so much emotion and I always think back that my strongest memory of the song is at my cousin's wedding when I was 14 they they played it and all of my dad's side of the family and all of my cousins and friends their friends everything everyone was just dancing and it was the best time ever I think it was really special because we'd been living in Singapore quite a few years by that point and coming back in during like the school year to a wedding in the depths of Cornwall really it fun not well not it wasn't simple for my parents to get their head around making that trek right. but Ollie and I were like this is happening we are not missing our cousin's wedding and when we got there it was just the best time ever and Mumford and Sons I await was the moment that I always think back to and then when I was 16 I got to see them live and it was just it's the most amazing song live it has so much energy yeah and I like look back at videos from playing it and just want to cry I think especially now there's nothing more that I that I would like other than the pandemic to just go away and death rates to song there's nothing more that I that I would like than to be in a crowd at a concert listening Um, Mumford's and Sons. It's so beautiful. I think what's interesting as well is that I didn't even realise that it's actually quite a religious song. It has religious connotations. And I didn't, I had no idea until very recently, which just made me reflect on how music can mean so many different things, so many different people. Yeah. And you interpret it how you want. No, it's absolutely. And I think it's so true that, you know, for, for the person who wrote it, it's got a very strong religious connotation, but but it can kind of connect to your sense of spirituality and what that means for yes. you. You know, it doesn't exactly. have to be a formal religious side of things. And it's um, I'm so glad to have Mumford and Sons on the playlist actually because they're brilliant, aren't they? They they're definitely included in a lot of my playlists, and I know oh, I get into a lot of trouble when when you know if I've got three Mumford and Sons songs in a row then Josh will jump up and go, right, that's not <laughs> whinging on. <laughs> and we have exactly. to turn it off. But no, that's a beautiful story that, you know, especially a wedding, because I think there's heightened emotion mm. already and you've got all your family around you. And especially yeah. when that's such an unusual thing, you know, when you have come from overseas and you you, you manage to get everyone in one space, you know, we've had some, some yeah. family memories where we've done the same. There's also a lyric that is um, paint my spirit gold. And I think that is just so beautiful. Like, and that kind of just sums up so much, doesn't it? Paint my spirit gold, like yeah. keep shining. I love it. I think the song contains so much of every emotion, like sadness, happiness, hope, despair. It just yeah. puts it all together in one song. But yeah, music's always played like a really weirdly 
spiritual oh, I think it plays a weirdly spiritual role in everyone's life and just yeah comes up in at weird moments you know like getting on a plane to leave the UK and my auntie's first dance will be playing or something like that which is like oh, gut-wrenching how did that know to just play now and yeah if you, especially if you're in a heightened emotional state and just one yeah and as you say one lyric can just exactly. you and just take you to a special moment and I think it's another way of collecting you know because we collect songs mm. it's just another way of summing up you know those those precious moments and just keeping them in one place we can sort of oh yeah that's my favorite that's the thing I remember and 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 as you said you 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 find it difficult to just bring it down to one particular song because there's so many that you can kind of go oh, I remember that one as well yes exactly yeah. and it's like choosing a favorite child it's like oh I need to tell this person that I love them and I need to yeah to proclaim my love for Bowie and everyone but and um paint my spirit gold is such a beautiful sentiment I have a feeling you will be shining your light brightly I'm really really intrigued what was your what was your piece of wisdom that sprung to mind when I was asking you to share my piece of wisdom actually is a similar sort of concept it's a line from Caitlin Moran's letter to her daughter and mm -hmm. it is just resolved to shine Gosh. and I just try and hold that hold that close mum sent it to me and my aunties like sent the whole letter to us yeah when she first discovered it a couple of years ago and it has so much wisdom including don't it says something like don't mistake an nervous breakdown for a need of a cup of tea and a biscuit which always makes me laugh but the idea of just resolve to shine that kind of like finding it within and just knowing that whatever life throws at you you know if you get your heart broken or if you don't get something that you really wanted or if things just don't go away there's always a way to, to keep shining yeah. in different ways and I think as I've grown older and become more aware of like of wisdom and well-being I started thinking that oh my gosh just resolve to shine is that is that toxic positivity and then Amanda Amanda Gorman came along and obviously just stole everyone's hearts with the most amazing right. words yeah. and I think her final lines just really brought that sense of just resolve to shine to like a really relevant and beautiful she phrased it so well that idea that there is darkness around and there is mm. lots wrong with the world at the moment but we can find we can always find ways to shine so that's my yeah my favorite thing to remind myself just that resolve to shine absolutely <laughs> golden and yeah it's the same sentiment isn't it be the light just resolve to shine it's it's how you show up and lead which yes really it is it's how you show up to lead and it's how I think you can also you don't always have to take yourself seriously in order to shine you know it can be in moments where you're being like really mm -hmm. failing which is okay you can fail all the time and you can still shine you know you can get something so wrong but if you're smiling and being kind or laughing like that's a way to shine in that moment and yeah yeah and I love the um the reference to Caitlin Moran's letter to her daughter, which we'll definitely link to in the show notes because yeah, that's also a beautiful piece. So thank you for the reminder for that. And I think if you can combine that resolve to shine with that beautiful story about inclusivity and, and realizing in the moment how much that meant to you, 
And so, mm. you know, I'm sure you're somebody who who is constantly looking around you going, who needs to be brought into the fold here? Yeah, absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for joining me, Maddie. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure to you. And best of luck with getting all of the, whether it has to be a slightly compromised uh, fashion show off the ground. I really hope that you managed to pull something off. It sounds like you've got thank such you. great plans and knowing that yeah you're 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 all there really trying to make it work and such powerful stories around i'm sure that these experiences are going to be the things that take you forward it's not just your academic degree that you will leave durham with it's it's all of this life experience it's stuff that you're going to bring into the working world which is just amazing so congratulations I hope so oh thank you so much thank you so much for having me it's been so much fun you're welcome Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from. So I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.